Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Daily Drive. I'm Steve Schmith with Automotive News. It's Wednesday, September 8th. The war for talent in the automotive industry, and frankly, the broader manufacturing industry, continues. The outcome of that war will have significant and long-term implications on the companies working in the business of moving people and things, wherever they may fall in the value chain, and will have long-lasting implications on the U.S. economy and the country's competitiveness on a global scale. Consider this. According to the Manufacturing Institute's latest skills gap study, the manufacturing skills gap could leave 2.1 million jobs unfilled by 2030 and could cost the U.S. economy as much as $1 trillion. 77% of executives participating in the study say they will have ongoing difficulties in attracting and retraining workers in 2021, and 36% say that among the reasons they can't find people with the skills they need is a lack of attraction or interest in the industry. Jennifer Maher, CEO and Executive Director of the Tech Force Foundation, and her team are hard at work trying to change the perception of one critical profession in the automotive value chain, the job of being a professional automotive technician. She says the emergence of vehicle technologies driving connectivity, autonomy, and electrified transportation, and increasing use of advanced materials like carbon fiber, translates into a lot of different kinds of opportunity that all require advanced kinds of skills. She also says the demand is now and will continue to grow. According to Maher, the number of people choosing professional automotive technician as a career could double and still fall short of meeting forecasted demand. The foundation has recently launched its Because I'm a Tech campaign, which is designed to give a voice to current technicians and create a platform that allows them to share real-life stories of successful and secure careers. The objective? To dispel misconceptions about the role and create interest among young people as early as grade school. Maher says there is interest among young people, but she also says she often hears about parents and guidance counselors who may have their own decades-long perception about the job not supporting a student's interest in pursuing a career as a professional automotive technician. What else is the Tech Force Foundation doing to encourage automotive technician as a profession? What's been the response to the campaign? And what help is Maher and team getting from corporate partners? And beyond STEM, what is the one skill every professional automotive technician should master? We've reached Tech Force Foundation CEO and Executive Director Jennifer Maher in Scottsdale, Arizona. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast. How are you? I am well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining. Terrific conversation today, and it's such an interesting dive into the topic of talent, and that is this notion of professional technician. You've got a lot of stuff going on with Tech Force that are really bringing a lot of attention about what kind of rewarding careers that being a professional technician offers. But why don't we start with level setting a little bit? How has that job evolved over the last 10 or 20 years? 
Well, I mean, like everything when it comes to the evolution of transportation and mobility, it is changing at a lightning speed. Um, and at the same time, TechForce represents the entire technician workforce. So that could be those working on um, collector cars and are more in the restoration. It could be people who are working on the cars that are on the road today, which is obviously the full span, lots of used cars, uh, still running with those carburetors, what have you. And then you're starting looking at the entire revolution that is a taking place right now and is going to go on to lightning speed about how this job is going to continue to change so much in the future. So it really is a full gamut and folks can pick what they're passionate about because it's an exciting time to be in this industry. I'm curious, when you look at the skills that are going to be required maybe already today, can you talk a little bit about what skills you're seeing as being in high demand if you're interested in being a professional technician? Yeah, well, I'd say the number one is actually problem solving, right? So to have that uh, curious, inquisitive mind and the desire to solve problems and to have that thrill when you fix it, that is an innate, a natural talent that we see among all technicians. Um, and so then you've got to look at the other skills, more technical skills, and, um, and they're really evolving more and more into the, the diagnostics the electrical systems circuitry um, that is becoming you know very important to really be able to understand basically these are computers on wheels so it's not as much of the wrenching in the past although that's still a big part of so much but it's really being able to look at the 100 million lines of codes that are in our computer cars today and being able to get excited about understanding the computer systems and the electrical circuits that are running through our vehicles. It's so interesting you talk about this migration, what often folks would call, or maybe evolution from STEM to STEAM, right? That A is the art, the problem solving, the ability to communicate. And why I think that's interesting, and I'd love your point of view uh, of this, is that a lot of this role, or in many cases, I should say, this role of professional technician is actually customer facing. I think we've all had that experience. Tell me what's wrong with my vehicle. How can I fix it? Often it is the professional technician that is the voice of sharing that information. And, and I think that's often something that is perhaps not clearly thought of immediately when you think about skills that these 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 folks in these professions need. Would you agree with that? I mean, absolutely. And I think it's a differential in the techs that do really, really well, right? Like in all professions, you can have, you know, employees that are mediocre at their jobs and ones who really rise to the top and excel. When you have the communication skills and you can interface with those customers, that builds trust and, and understanding and relationships. And it's huge when you can explain to a customer what's going on and how you're going to fix it and, um, and have those those personal skills. One of the things I was struck by when I came into this industry, I've been a nonprofit for 30 years. And so I've always been around people and they, as they talk about one of the things they love about their job is helping people. So, you know, I was pretty always used to that at a make wish or a boys and girls clubs and the wise of people getting really a lot of satisfaction from helping people. And when I came into this industry and I was interviewing technician after technician, I kind of found myself dumbstruck that so many kept really talking about 
how important it was to them that they felt like they were helping people. And I really watched that because, you know, I was struck by it that to them, knowing that they were keeping people safe, that they could get on with their lives, they could get their kids to school, that they were being entrusted to make it work. That is something that is really, really powerful for a lot of technicians. And so to be able to have that customer interface gives you that reward. And so it's one of the things I think some employers make a big mistake over is that they hide them back in the bay and they don't bring them out. And now sometimes some people don't have the personal skills or don't want to do that. But for a lot of people, they do. And if you can groom them and you can build up those um, skill sets, that is a powerful thing for a tech. It seems like a misconception with the profession of being a professional technician. Are there other misconceptions out there that you're hearing from folks that might be interested in this, in in a oh, professional yeah. traction as a career path? Absolutely. And I think that's what has uh, created the shortage is this misperceptions, uh, the stigmas, this huge disconnect between the realities and these old myths. So yes, you still have this shade tree, dead end job, grease monkey mechanic, don't make any money. They're not, you know, doesn't take that much education. You know, all of this of the past. And as Mike Rowe would always say, you know, he'd show the posters that were created by the uh, college systems 30 years ago. That's got the split screen of the college graduate up against the auto mechanic. Indeed. Like, which one do you want to be? Kind of yep. just all of that. We've done this to ourselves for 30 years, just trashing the skilled trades. And uh, yet they're laughing all the way to the bank now because anybody who wants to call an electrician, a technician, et cetera you pay the bill and you realize you cannot lift the hood and do it yourself anymore. You've got to be trained. You better know what you're doing. Uh, so, you know, I think there's this, I always giggle. I, I guess that's a nice word for it. Right. But when I'm watching television, I'm watching all the auto commercials and they show the slick in cars and how advanced they are. And you know, it's, you know, where we're going as a country. Right. And yet, there's this outdated idea about the workforce. And um, so somehow we have to bring that together. And I liken it to a lot like in the 80s, where if you said you're, you're in computers, everybody immediately thought of horn rim glasses and the pocket protector and that you were mm -hmm. suffered. And now if you say you're in IT, everybody's like, oh, you know, very white collar, successful. You know, so we have to kind of do that shift of getting the current realities. And that's one of the things TechForce does. In fact, right now, we've just launched our campaign called Because I'm a Tech, dot, 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 right? Ellipsis. Because I'm a tech, fill in the blanks. And we do this campaign so that people who are techs can say, because I'm a tech, I bought my first house at 24 years of age. Because I'm a tech, I can live anywhere in the country or in the world mm -hmm. with my skill sets. Because I'm a tech, I'm never unemployed and I'm an essential worker. I mean, whatever it is, because I'm a tech, I can fish on the weekends. I mean, you know, whatever it is about the benefits of this profession, this is when we like to kind of rise up and talk about it because we're going into Labor Day weekend. And at TechForce, you know, we scratch our head going, why are we celebrating Labor Day weekend with barbecues and sales when we're not doing for our workforce what needs to be done? And that is to celebrate the entire array of opportunities. And we don't call it a blue collar job anymore. It's not, it's not that old 
outdated stigma. These are new collar careers and there's great compensation and there's a great lifestyle and there's great opportunity. And if you're good and you can, you know, get really good at your craft, you can make very, very good, solid middle, middle class living. It's such an important message to send, and it's such an important mission that you and your team are doing to change that perception. Because frankly, four-year university degrees aren't for everybody. And so this type of diverse pathway to prosperity for individuals that might be interested in a career path like this because they enjoy the work, they enjoy the opportunity, all of these things you're saying, but also might not have the might not see a pathway of a four-year degree as as the way that they want to go. This offers so much opportunity for folks that that are in those situations. That's right. I mean, you know, let's face it, college has changed over the last 30 years too. And the price tag has changed. And, you know, there's no longer this either go to college or go to the military. I mean, going into the trades uh, is an absolutely viable pathway. And you know, we've stigmatized that as a less than option, or you couldn't cut it. Or I mean, all the time I'm having to stop people's language saying, what are you doing? Um, You know, so the reality is being able to look at a technical education and getting the skills to go right into a workforce that is in high demand and with good, you know, good, great upside, but not having to spend four years and drown yourself in debt only to come out Right. And not know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the light, the world's changed. So this becomes a really, really viable pathway. And especially when we've got so many young people now who have been told, right, that STEM education is great and that STEM careers are great. Well, we as the automotive industry need to start connecting the fact that we are STEM or STEAM, right? That these, it does take science, technology, engineering, and math to be excellent in this field. It is a STEM or STEAM career. I mean, again, the automotive design and all of the other aspects of it. Um, But we've done a kind of a lousy job as an industry so that you even go to career fairs. And I mean, they'll set up STEM careers in a corner and they'll put automotive across the gym on some six foot table. And this is what tech force is trying to stop and make sure that we are as an industry and an employer workforce, uh, that it's seen as, uh, very much about some of these careers that are cutting edge because kids love computers, right? They're all on their computers. They're all on their phones. Robotics is cool. And yet somehow there's still a disconnect between, let's just say, robotics and STEM and automotive. And mm-hmm. it blows your mind because you're like, what's the disconnect? And I'm down at you know Arizona State University the other day, dropping my kid off at college, and you've got all the um, you know robots delivering food to the kids all over campus. And and you know, it's like this is the future. And so it's actually an exciting time to try to bring these things together and connect the dots. And the most of the young people we interview, what's fascinating is they say, you know, you can get me excited about this because I get it. I get that these are computers on wheels. I get the autonomous vehicles are coming. I understand, you know, flex fuels. And I I see this happening. But you got to get my parents and my counselors out of the way because they're the ones poo-pooing the whole thing. It's that old, it's that old thinking, right? That 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 old world thinking that that perception, as you will, those misperceptions that folks carry from them from decades ago. Yeah. How's your campaign resonating? Well, you know what? It's what's great is 
I personally, as mom, mama bear, right? Like I'm able to run this nonprofit organization focused on our mission, which is to take care of young people and help them explore the potential career path. And then if they decide that this is something that is a good fit for them, because we believe everybody is wired differently. And so it's not for everybody, but if this is kind of your wiring and goes with your grain, then we will help you get through that, that pipeline. We'll help you explore the career, get workforce ready, get and meet uh, your network and get into an employment situation. So we kind of see you through pipeline and into placement. And for us, the nice, most rewarding is when I get parents who were like, thank you so much. I mean, I just knew that my kid hated school. It wasn't a great connection. It wasn't a great, you know, a fit school was killing my kid, you know, the traditional, and I didn't know what to do. And you helped me raise a great kid. That's so rewarding. Or to find the young people who are pursuing this already. We get over 6,000 applications of people who've committed to going to a tech school they want to make this their career. And yet on average, TechForce finds it's a $450 hiccup that makes a student drop out of school. That's and it? Lose them as an employer. Yeah. And 400, so wow. $450. And that's why I always say, you know, if you just do something, just donate to TechForce so we have the resources to help this workforce get through the pipeline because literally, the number one application we get is for our Life Happens Emergency Grants. And the irony is so thick, it's pathetic. You know what it's for? Do you know what they need help with? No. Car repair. They're a student. They're a kid. They don't know what they don't know yet. They've not been trained. And they walk out into the parking lot of either their job, their apartment, or school. And either they've got a flat tire and they can't afford four new ones, or they're going to have to not pay rent and then the dominoes fall. Or there's something wrong with their car and they don't have the contact connection or education to fix it themselves yet. And these are the things that they plan for rent. They plan for food. I mean, they're living hand to mouth trying to get through their school while they're also working a part-time job. But the minute you have a hiccup like that, everything just falls apart for so many students. So this is why I always say, you know, we have our life happens emergency grants because sometimes, you know, you just got to get the horse through the finish line. We'll be right back with more. As online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, Top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big-picture, holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. It seems like $450 is such a small price to pay, literally. And, you know, this, this, this 
what you're describing relative to how these life's hiccups can derail so many lifelong plans. It's such an important mission to to solve for. I understand you're not in this on your own, though. You've got a network of of corporate partners, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about the public and private partnerships that are helping support uh, the mission of what's going on at TechForce? Absolutely. I mean, like anything, if you really actually want to solve a problem, you have to collaborate. <laughs> you know, you have to work together. And especially Indeed. when you get into a nonprofit, it's like, can we not reinvent the wheel? So, you know, for me, it is all about, you know, building relationships, connecting dots. Tech Force, our philosophy is we do not have to build or own or solve everything ourselves. But the hole that we're trying to fill is that connector. You know, where is that hub where I have no dog in the fight, right? I, I don't care what school you go to. I don't care who you end up going to work for. It's about the young person, the student, you know, or even, you know, the older person. We have a lot of 20%, a lot of older people, meaning 20% of our scholarships go to veterans, right? So I really? call it kids because I'm over 50, so everybody's a kid, right? But I mean, you've got veterans who've been deployed they're working on a billion dollars worth of equipment, but they come home and they can't touch your Kia. So they have to go back to school and get retrained and get the certifications. And so, you know, there you've got this huge, huge uh, group of people. And, you know, we just want to try to help them get through the pipeline. It's so interesting. A little personal story. My my father-in-law was uh, in the Army, stationed in Korea, and the Army taught him how to weld. And he came back, built his entire career on welding. Send yep. his daughter to college, put a roof over his family's head and welding. And it's a very you know, it's a, yeah, personal example of the story uh, that you just shared as well. But I think it's an example that I would imagine you see hundreds, if not thousands of times a year in, in the world that you live in these days. Exactly. But I think that's, you know, we, we say we have to partner. So we try to be the hub. We go out to corporate America and you have to look at corporate America and say, you're the employer. This is the workforce that you're struggling to be able to recruit from, to hire. So people have to do more to build the pipeline because it's not enough to just throw money at the people who are graduating with the skill sets. TechForce has done the supply and demand report. We work with the BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics. Mm -hmm. We understand that the new entrant demand for auto, diesel, and collision combined is 125,000 new entrants a year. That's new entrance. That's not even talking about the replacement of the retiring baby boomers, et cetera. But just to keep up with demand, there's 125,000 new entrant techs a year. And our schools, our community colleges, our tech schools are only graduating 57,000. So if you're having a challenge hiring a tech, uh, that's why, right? And yet somebody's got to back way up because you can't just try to convince students when they're juniors or seniors in high school to consider this. We've derailed them back in middle school when the kid comes home and says, well, but Ma, I like cars. And she's like, what do you want to do that for? Right. And that's mm -hmm. that stigma. So we lose them or they get into robotics and we never connect the dots that these are our, you know, cars and the mobility, personal mobility devices of the future. So, you know, we lose them. So we have to back up and a nonprofit is perfect to back up and start working with kids when they're middle school and younger. And again, they don't know what they don't know. So a nonprofit like Tech Force, we have to stay with them, right? They're going to be interested. They're going to be like, what? Well, I, I want to dapple in this. We'll introduce them to Skills USA. Then they get a, you know, okay, now what? Well, now they want to go find a high school. Well, then let's introduce them to their high school tech schools. 
that have mm-hmm. auto programs. You have to stay with them. And so for us, it's about finding the really great resources that are hidden in the nooks and crannies of this industry and bringing them to the forefront and packaging them in a way that people can find them. So that is why we have the Tech Force Network. And that is where you know you can go in and join. It's a social network. But when you're ready to find an after-school program, we'll show you where they are. If you want to go out to an event and you know, maybe your parents will never take you to an NHRA race or, you know, they don't know what drifting is. You can come in here and kind of meet your people and be part of a community and connect the dots and will help you along that continuum. So where can people find out more? Where do they start this journey with TechForce? And and is there a right age? It seems the younger, the better based on what you're what you're describing. But where do folks go to learn more and, and, and how old does your child have to be to be really take advantage of this? Yeah, well, it's a great question. Right now, I would say, you know, obviously at techforce.org is our website, but we have up this new network and this is really our pride and joy. And it is at jointechforce.org. J-O-I-N techforce.org. And that's the network. Go in, create a free profile, set it up and just start to play in the system. And it is designed for anybody from middle school all the way up to full-blown industry professionals who love to compete. They want to show, you know, strut their stuff on the leaderboards. They want to take our trivia. They enter contests. Maybe you're wrenching on something in your garage at home. You know, it's all of these things where you can kind of really flex your talents and uh, in everything from exploring the career path to maybe you're willing to volunteer and play a role in the life of a future tech. And we need at least double the amount of new entrants a year, you say, for us to even meet the demand that is out there. So lots of opportunity. You got it. You got it. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast. Very interesting topic and kudos to you and your team for the inspiration you're doing and the work you're doing to help ensure that we have the talented workforce we need in this area for the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on and being such a big supporter of technicians. That's Daily Drive for Wednesday, September 8th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy your day. We'll be back tomorrow.